1: sift pop podcast is recorded in front of a live internet audience
2: live from a bunker in the heart of the ozarks yes those are claws and yes we are happy to see you it's sift pop Welcome to Sif Pop, streaming live on Mixler every Friday afternoon or available to download later in your podcast feed, unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. Uh. I'm Aaron Dicer from YourMovieFriend.com. I'm joined by Andrew Ormsby from FlickFreaks. Ahoy. And every week we'll be joined by a pop culture guru to chat about movies, television, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. Joining us today from CinemaSins, it's Chris Atkinson.
1: Woo. Hello, General. Ralph. How's everything going? Hello, <laughs> Out good in man. Internet world. <laughs> uh, everything's good.
2: Yeah, everything's going well. Thanks for being a part of the fun today. Uh, you're a first-time guru on SIF Pop, so usually with our first-time gurus, we like to dig a little bit deeper and kind of get your story, how you got into, you know, pop culture that kind of stuff. Now, I'm super good friends with Jeremy, your cohort in Cinema Sins, and he's been on the show mm-hmm. before. Um, but I yep. want to hear your side of the story. Like, how did CinemaSins, which, by the way, a little thing called CinemaSins, just what, like 6.6 million subscribers on YouTube? So, you know. I, I believe that is accurate, yes. So, um, so it's kind of blown up. So how is that all from your perspective?
1: Uh, it's still insane to this day that, yeah. uh, you know, that I get to do this as my primary job. Uh Uh, When we started, I was working two jobs. I was still in movie theaters, which I had been doing for 20 years um, at the point at that time. And I was also writing about online video, uh, basically thanks to Jeremy. Uh, We both wrote on Real SEO uh, and were, you know, just basically write articles about online video all day. So I was doing both of those for a while. And about six months into it, I was able to just do it just do CinemaSins so it's been CinemaSins since 2013 completely without any other job and phenomenal. Jeremy
2: is the voice he's the narrator on the videos um so like was that just a, an obvious choice to you guys because I know you guys kind of started it together how was like the inception of the whole CinemaSins idea between the two of you how did that work
1: um, we had started uh, a few other things first, trying to get some other things to take off for a while. Uh, none of those took off like we hoped or whatever. I mean, I don't know if we really hoped, but I think you, you sort of like cross your fingers and like anything that you do on YouTube. And uh, and then uh, then somewhere in the middle of all this, Jeremy sent me his basically the prototype, which was the yeah. ama- the Amazing Spider-Man video, which is our first video. And I said, yeah, I think we can work with this. And the the day it launched, it got picked up by a bunch of publications, and it uh, became a big thing. And then we suddenly knew that we had to do it almost every week at this point. And, um, and the H1 that we came out with every week just sort of built on that first success. And, um, you know, for good or ill, I mean, we had... You know, a lot of people who hated us and a lot of people who loved us. And that's sort of how you
2: drive it. I know from both meeting you guys and the podcast, Sincast, by the way, is the name of their podcast, uh, that you guys are super huge movie lovers. And so to become known for a kind of, you know, a cynical comedy take on, you know, kind of the negatives of movies, uh, was that kind of um,
1: did you, do you feel like you got a bad reputation for that in some ways? uh yeah, I'm sure there's uh there are people out there who who think that each one of our videos is sort of a um, a a record of what we think of the movie and uh and that couldn't be further from the truth really um i don't want to disappoint people who think who love it that they <laughs> think that's the record but uh what we we take we basically we're we're sort of in a character when we're doing this we're we're like you know we're like john lovitz in the critic only way worse <laughs> <laughs> and you know we 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 basically take a lot of like very small things and then of course all the big things and stuff like that and say, you know, these are sins and, and sins don't necessarily mean, oh, that's some that's a reason why you should hate this movie or anything like that. It just means this movie did something that we're gonna comment on and we're gonna make you know, we're gonna make sure that you know about it. It's hilarious
2: stuff and again it's an honor to have you on. We're excited to chat about uh, Logan and some X Men
3: stuff. Uh, But before we get to all of that, uh, let's do some Do We Care. Andrew, what do you got for us? So every single week I scour the internets to find out what's going on in the entertainment world. And a lot of stuff happened. There were some casting notifications. There were some directorial reveals and, you know, some just big project announcements. But there's only one Do We Care that we're going to talk about this week, and that's going to be the Oscars. But before we get to that, we have to honor and remember some people in this week's episode of We Care Deeply, and that is going to be Bill Paxton and Judge Wapner. Yeah,
2: uh, who died like the, did Wapner die the same day as Paxton, or?
3: I think it was the day before, maybe? Yeah, and- I can't remember, It feels like
2: it was forever ago, because time goes so fast, but it was definitely after our episode last week, so we didn't really get a chance to talk about it, but um, yeah, I mean, Wapner is somebody who is one of those pop culture figures that just- embodies one thing you know mm-hmm. the people's court and judge wapner and that amazing you know drumbeat, you know intro and song then the typewriter and, and the type yeah yeah like all that stuff you know it's just it's interesting to be that kind of person i would think in pop culture and so um you know there's obviously something there but with paxton man all those movies uh that he was a part of what what stands what stands out to you guys is something that you'll remember more than other Paxton's other stuff.
3: Well, real quick, didn't you tell me once that Twister was the first movie you ever saw in theater? Yeah,
2: that would be my story. Yeah, okay. Twister was the very first movie I ever saw in a theater. I was I think it was ninety seven, somewhere around there. Yeah. Uh, so I was ninety six. Yeah, ninety six. So I was yeah. twenty one. The first time I ever went to a movie in a movie theater because I grew up in a, a religious home where going to movies wasn't allowed. Uh, and so you know. Paxton was certainly a great part of that experience, but just that movie with all the sound and visuals that I'd, you know, I'd never experienced something that big before kind of blew my mind a little bit and yeah. uh, is one of the reasons I do what I do today. You yeah, know?
3: it's Bill
1: Paxton versus Mother Nature and the Dread Pirate Roberts. So. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah Bill Paxton, uh, the, the thing that amazed me about After His Death was how many people came up with some different movie that I didn't think of. Um, I mean, all the you know, all the ones that were common: Aliens, Twister, sure. uh, Being Chet, and Weird Science, and all that. Those were all you know; those were all covered and everything. But then, you know, suddenly someone would pull out one false move, and you're like, "Oh yeah, one false move." It's another one that he was great in, and then Club Dread, the Broken Lizard comedy, which was really funny. Um, the, you know he he was in a lot of movies, and um and it's just amazing how many different ones. Apollo thirteen, another great one. Yeah, yeah the movie's phenomenal. Um, yeah, and uh, so it, it I it, I think I think we probably undervalued Bill Paxton. <laughs> you know, it's uh because I once he died, I was like, oh yeah, well you know he was in those. A few, a few, few good movies, whatever. But then you realize, oh, he was in a lot of great movies and a lot of like just underseen movies.
2: Yeah. Uh, more recently, he was in um, "Lived I Repeat," Edu- or that's if, the one I was going to talk if you, about. Yeah, yeah. that's another some, one. Original name. That was uh, the one U.S. I was going to talk
3: about because he has my uh, my favorite line in that entire movie, where Tom Cruise says, "Sergeant, you're an American." And he goes, "No, sir, I'm from Kentucky." <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well that's a thing that Bill Paxton could always do, and I think that's why he was he he I, why his presence was so welcome a lot of times he had that he was from Texas, so he had this sort of like you know he was able to play the Southern man pretty well, had the accent, everything and uh and you know he could he could believably play these like goofball maybe yokels a lot of times or whatever but just goofball southern guys yeah kind of like what he did in true lies even to a a, an extent
3: to just playing that goofy guy but then he also Mm -hmm. was able to do those serious roles i don't know if either of you guys ever watched hatfield mccoy Mm -mm, i
1: didn't i never saw it it's,
3: it's i think that's where he got his golden globe was for that role and it's breathtaking how good he is now like the best he's ever been and we Listen, didn't we oh, didn't really? even talk about
2: uh you know big love and television and yeah you big know love. those kind of things No, i, I mean, never watched big love Did i didn't either okay Mm-mm. no
1: i didn't but yeah i had i didn't either i heard but most of the people who i ever saw it said he was great in it and that show was great i just never got around to it yeah it's just one of those that fell
3: under for me
1: so
2: well i love the chance to kind of honor pe- people's works uh you know when they pass away and especially in cases like this, it's just such a shock. You know, what is yeah. he, 61? 61. 61 and it was with a... surgery complications and I, I don't even know if the speci- specifics have come out. Not that that even matters, but no. it's just like, you know, nobody was expecting it and um, so, yeah, it's it's kind of a, Kind of a way to, to bring light to the life part of somebody as opposed exactly. to just be depressed about the, you know, the end. The passing.
3: So.
1: So. Yeah, absolutely. By, by the way, if if uh, a friend of mine sent me a, a link to uh, Ain't It Cool News and uh, the writer Quint had uh, written, um, he was going to write a, a Bill Paxton interview. I guess it was oh, five or six years ago or something like that um that he never got around to finishing he wanted he he had you know uh, paxton had to leave or whatever but they he took down like a whole bunch of notes and everything and after after he died uh Quint went ahead and published what he had and uh and it's a really fascinating thing if you can go and find that okay go to ain't it cool news and find that it's really fascinating
2: man ain't it cool news used to be my jam like back, I mean oh, that was yeah. one of the first movie internet places that I would, you know, go check out what Harry Knowles and the crew had to say about stuff.
3: And one last thing I'll say about Bill Paxton is his show. He just started a new show. He it was he's in the remake for Training Day on TV. Oh, yeah, and right. it just started February second. Have they
2: said what they're going to do with that
3: or anything? I haven't. I just looked because I was oh, okay. curious about what day it started. So it was this. Well, I guess yeah, this past month that it started. So
2: wow. That's interesting.
3: That's going to wrap it up for we care deeply. Now we're going to move into do we care? And before we go into like the nitty gritty of the Oscars, what I had down is the top three 2017 Oscar blunders. (laughs) There were three. I I remember the one. Oh, there is three. We'll we'll start off with this one during the memoriam segment. Did you hear about this? I did. Yeah, yeah, I I did hear that. So for everybody in our chat or everybody who's listening who doesn't know, in the memoriam segment. One of the photos used for one of the departed was a person who was still alive.
2: Oh, man. They got
3: the name right, Janet Patterson, but on screen they actually showed a photograph of producer Jan Chapman.
2: Okay, so the name was somebody who had passed on. The name was correct. They just picked the wrong picture. That makes so much more sense to me.
3: Yes, it was uh, somebody, they'd worked together on a project before. Oh, no. But they used the wrong photograph. Wow, and uh, number two for top three Oscar blunders was obviously Envelope Gate twenty. That's number two. It's number two. Yeah. Wow. What but was number one? We'll get there. But uh, I want to talk about Envelope Gate and just that whole thing because I did a live show for it on yeah. YouTube, and we you also did the live Twitter feed thing, yeah. which was crazy. You were. I'm curious because you were putting in points because yeah, we, did the, we did the ballot. So where yeah. what happened? Did you finish putting in people's oh, points? Oh yeah. Okay. Well, there was a good two and a half minutes.
2: There were two and a half minutes before they corrected the thing. La La
3: Land gave their
2: speech. Two of their producers gave speeches, and they were getting ready for the third to give a speech. Chris, were you watching live, or did you see it afterwards?
1: Uh, I was watching live. Uh, When they announced La La Land, I was pretty much like, well, that, you know, that. Pretty much is what everybody thought it was going to be. So right. I just I just went to my phone and started looking up some stuff because um, I was just looking up some statistics. And then halfway through that, that's when I heard the guy say, "No, Moonlight, you won." You know, and I was like, <laughs> "What?" Yeah. What's funny about that though is that I was I was half expecting it, considering how long it took Warren Beatty and then Faye Dunaway to finally say the name. I was like, "Oh, that's why it took so long. Is because something was messed up. That makes sense." So, yeah, that was that was definitely a a strange one. Um, I was just made it made it all the more dramatic, though.
2: Yeah, I it it kind of blew my mind. And as the story has come out, you know, more and more about the story, and I don't know how much you guys have followed it about, you know, all the things that kind of led to this happening. The Twitter. Yeah, and yeah, stuff. the the Price Waterhouse Cooper people, and it wasn't just him. By the way, the both of them were supposed to be so alert; they were supposed to have all the winners memorized. Yeah, and they were supposed to be alert if this happened. They were supposed to run on stage and correct it immediately, so that yeah. what mm-hmm. actually happened didn't happen. And when it happened, uh, the one of them, the guy, turned to the set producer and said, "I think they said the wrong name." Like. How do you not know that? You had one job, you know? Your job isn't to be taking Twitter photos of Emma Stone. Your job is to be paying attention to make sure they get this stuff right. And then the director apparently tried to tell them to go on stage to correct it, and they wouldn't go on stage. Like, they, they, they were reluctant to do so. So finally, he had to run on stage and take the envelope with him and... That's, you know, that's why it took so long. And I'm just like, it was a failure of oh. on so many levels.
3: So what's going to happen My... to the Price Watergate people is what I'm curious about. Like... Watergate? Was that a slip of the tongue? No, <laughs> Water, no that, was, that was intentional. I oh, want yeah. everybody to know that was intentional. Um, I, I
2: think they said that the two uh, are taken <laughs> off that account. They haven't been fired, but they've been taken off that the Oscars account. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so but the question remains will the Academy hire them again for next year that's the big question
1: how long have they been partnered with them they've been doing it for years forever though. basically like, yeah and I mean it's and that's the first like big mess up they've ever had I mean of course there's always the rumors uh, of like Marissa Tomei they called the wrong name <laughs> Marissa Tomei, back in the day of course yeah. I don't know how they would have allowed the entire broadcast to go if that was the case but um, but uh, you know they're gonna I mean they have I mean they've always been there. What are they going to do? They're going to find somebody else who's going to do the exact same job. Um, I would. I don't ju- get I'll that. just
2: put it out there.
1: Uh, I'm willing to do it.
2: Not um, me. I don't want give that me a pressure. Call. I'll, I i do not necessarily want the pressure, but I'll take the money. So oh, honestly, uh,
3: I, I, I see where your head's at. Yeah.
1: The, honestly, the the biggest uh, flub for me out of that whole thing is that if Warren Beatty saw uh, it said Emma Stone, La La Land on it. Why didn't he just say, I'm sorry, exactly. this appears to be the wrong envelope? And that's the thing that bothers me the most is like, yeah, okay, okay, sure. They gave you the wrong envelope. That's That happens. Um, I just didn't understand why he didn't just say, oh, this appears to be the wrong envelope I and can, then have somebody rush it out. But it wasn't can, him
3: that said it. It was Faye.
1: Well, but here, I, can, I but, know
2: exactly where you're coming from, Chris, and I can speak to it a little bit. There is something that is uh, – pounded into you as a performer show must go on show must go on show must go on don't let them know the errors don't let them see you sweat all that kind of stuff and i think that it was well, just they, they let him see him sweat <laughs> yeah right but i think in, <laughs> I mean, his they... mind, in his mind he's thinking i don't want you know to do that but you know who needed to be up there adele Adele would have handled that perfectly.
3: (laughs) You know what I mean? This ain't right. Yeah. She would have called him out. Yeah, She would have just called it out.
2: She'd have been like, what's going on here? I don't understand this. Is this the wrong one? Can somebody get
1: it for you? You know what I mean? Like, that's what they needed. I don't, I don't have a I, I don't have a problem with your logic there. I just I think it's ridiculous that that's what if that's the real reason why that ended up happening. And Faye Dunaway, I don't really blame her either because she just thinks that he's playing around. So yeah. what is she going to do? I'm just going to show you the envelope. Oh, okay, it says La La Land on it. Boom, there you go. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, this show must go on. Thing he hemmed and hawed enough that it's basically you just got to go. All right, look, wrong envelope. Yeah. And then. <laughs> The, uh, if he had just come straight out and said La La Land, that would have been a different thing. It's right. it's crazy. And ima- so many things to imagine, too.
2: Imagine if it had been the other way around, if somehow they had announced Moonlight instead of La La Land, and they had to take oh it away from gosh. Moonlight and give it to La that La Land. That would have been, um, been bad. Imagine if it, they had done, because they alternate them as far as the actor or actress goes first. So imagine if the last one had been Casey Affleck by Man you know Manchester by the Sea. What would have happened different mm-hmm. if that was the envelope? had? Oh, would she would have, have said Manchester too. by the sea? Like what? So like it's it's just really interesting to think, how because if you don't say La La Land, if you say Manchester by the sea, it
1: sounds really crazy. You know, yeah. so I don't know. Look, just- I'm I'm just I'm just happy that the, the envelope for Suicide Squad didn't get in there. <laughs> and, you know cause that kind of a mass confusion
3: speaking of our third oscar blunder we must now refer to it as academy award-winning film suicide and that's Squad. your number one oscar that's
1: blunder. my number one oscar blunder <laughs> wow I, it's hard to argue with you actually <laughs> I mean, oh
2: man does, does this mean dc has more oscars than marvel it does <laughs>
3: it has more oscars than marvel <gasps> it also really yeah marvel's never
2: won a single so marvel oscar. hasn't won anything not one it also now has wow. more uh, official Oscars than Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah. Uh, more official, or the same? Uh, no, more than. Did Citizen Kane win one? Yes, I think it was the same nominated. amount. Same amount of Citizen, Citizen Kane. Kane
1: won the screenplay, I believe. Yeah. Um, um, okay. Um, and then, yeah, it, that's the only thing it won. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's crazy.
1: So that's going to wrap it up. For do we care? Wow. Well, thank you,
2: Andrew. That was nice. Uh, nice trip down blunder lane.
3: Yeah. No. You had. <laughs> no. We we talk, We kind of glanced over it, but uh, we were doing an Oscar poll.
2: Oh, yeah. We had the the pool going on, and I wanted to announce our winners. I told them they could give a shout-out on the podcast, so let's do that now. Um, Congratulations. I'll do our three. There were technically five winners tied. One of them was me, so we won't worry about me. Congratulations, Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, By the way, the winners got 16 out of 24. For about two minutes there, they had 17 17 out of 24, but we all picked La La Land uh, for Best Picture. By the way, everybody who was in second place also all picked La La Land for best picture, so it didn't even help anybody that it got switched. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, the other four, um, I'll, I'll do the three, cause I did crown an official winner based on an arbitrary, um, kind of guideline, which was picked the best upsets. So picked ones that the fewest amount of other people picked. I thought that would be a good way to kind of give an overall winner. Um, Dennis Heerline was one of the uh, one of the winners. He says, "As a big La 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 Land fan, I'm shocked at the result of Best Picture, but I'm ha- very happy Manchester by the Sea got some recognition. Uh, as am I. I'm glad that uh, they picked up a couple awards. That was good. Um, Sean Newton, congratulations, was one of the winners." Uh, He says, I reactivated my dormant Twitter account just for this, but it was totally worth it. (laughs) Uh, I should also mention that I only listen to three podcasts, yours, the Sincast, and a third one that's inconsequential. Since Chris will be Mm, your guest this week, I would like to express genuine gratitude towards both of you for your respective podcasts. I have a great time listening to both shows and sharing the new information, fun debate topics, and clever perspectives with my friends. I love how you both take a very logical and cerebral approach to discussing movies, but you envelop that approach with passion and humor. That combination makes the discussions impossibly captivating. Listening to the podcast has been such a bright addition to my weekly routine. Thank you. Well, that was very kind. Who awesome. was that, Who was that, that one again? Is... Sean. Sean? Sean Newton. All,
1: All right. Thank, thank you, you very much, Sean. That was awesome.
2: Yeah. Thanks for saying that, man. Appreciate you taking your time on the on the platform to thank us that was cool yeah uh and then uh chris i think i have to go over to twitter to see his uh this is from chris on twitter he says uh, he was one of our winners as well congratulations chris says uh hey aaron and andrew thanks for holding the contest i think i'm still recovering from the twist ending i'm one member of the nfl podcast that makes fun of the hot takes of the sports world and a writer of various movie power rankings if any of your listeners would enjoy something like that i would love them to follow me on twitter At fourth take. Lastly, Stallone got robbed for supporting actor last year. Rocky forever. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I I agree. Uh, I'm glad he he didn't win it. I kind of go back and forth in my mind. (laughs) Part of me thinks he deserved it. And then, you know, another part of me is just like, I, I don't know if it's just my own nostalgia for that character that's kind of playing into it a little bit, but... Probably the same for me because Rocky has a special place in my
1: heart. 40 years inside that character to play it again. Wow. I I don't... Think that that's worth giving an Oscar for.
2: Uh, finally, Drew Nelson, who was our overall winner based on the arbitrary criteria. Hey! Um, he says, Wow, what can I say? I truly didn't expect to become the arbitrary winner of Sif Pop's Oscar Party Pick Competition. Because I want to keep this to 45 seconds like any good Oscar speech, I'd like to give a few thank yous. I'd like to thank my mom and dad for supporting my movie-watching habit for the past 22 years. I'd also like to thank all other family members who gave me movie gift cards this Christmas, making easier for me to see all the nominated pictures. I'd like to thank Arrival and Hacksaw Ridge, the underdogs that broke the tiebreaker to give me this win. And finally, I'd like to thank Jesus. Although I don't know you, you're the real MVP of this competition for choking like the Warriors and giving up your early lead.
3: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you really should
2: be ashamed because you do this for a living.
3: All jokes <laughs> aside...
2: I'm honored and thankful. Can't wait to compete again next year. And that's Drew.
3: I can't wait for Devon to listen to that. Calls out Jesus, man, savage, savage. Um, Drew is savage.
2: In case you don't know, Chris or otherwise, Jesus uh, got the first four right, even though the like the first two were big surprises. Yeah, he got Suicide Squad. Yeah, and so he was just like hmm. on a roll, and then you know he and then he he lost his lead, and then gained it back by a couple at one point, and then yeah. lost it again. He so. ended up
3: in third wow. like yeah. tied for well third,
2: right. technically tied for like 12th yeah. you know because if there's five people in first then technically the second is six and yeah you know Anyways, yeah. but congratulations to our winners we Yay. will do it again next year Yay. we had an absolute blast there were 61 participants That's 61 fan. people joined the pool this year so, phenomenal yeah it was a lot of fun all right let's talk about logan we got
3: ourselves an
1: x-men fan Maybe a quarter of it happened. And
0: not like this. In the real world, people die. Logan. I don't want to talk about it. Logan, just stop. Be careful. I need the girl. Buck her. Go get her.
2: Wolverine is back, maybe for the last time, uh, at least with Hugh Jackman playing him. This is set in the near future. A weary Logan cares for an ailing Professor X in a hideout on the Mexican border, but Logan's attempts to hide from the world and his legacy are upended when a young girl arrives being pursued by dark forces. Uh, this is been said to be Patrick Stewart's and Hugh Jackman's last time in these roles. Uh, it's getting a lot of I guess recognition is the word for uh, taking the rating to an R and being able to, you know, kind of go uh, more adult and all out with the violence and different things. So I'm sure we'll talk about that. But before we get into a lot of the details, just kind of a quick summary, how you felt about the movie. Did you like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, or it was
1: just okay? Chris, let's start with you. I loved it. Um, I really, really uh, like the idea of uh, putting these characters with a different wrinkle. Uh, into it this time it being aging and I and uh, and I think it really makes a, a different kind of a dynamic for a comic book film I had never really seen anything like this before What about you, Andrew? Um,
3: Almost loved it. There was like one or two cons that I have that are keeping me from loving it, but I'm so close, so I'm going to land with really, really liked it.
2: Yeah, I think I'm with you on the really, really liked. Uh, I really only had one complaint about it, and we'll get into it uh, in a little bit. Uh, And... That was enough, though, for me to bring it down to. Pr- I, I think I landed on like a B plus, you know, A minus, minus. kind of range. I'm right there with you. Um, but I was really close to loving this. There are so many great things about it. Um, let's start with some of the things we loved, Andrew. You know what? What specifically did you like?
3: So this is hands down the best performance that he, both Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart have ever given for these respective roles. I mean, honestly, and this isn't hyperbole for me. I think that Sir Patrick Stewart gave an award-winning performance in this movie it blew me out of the water do you think he
2: was better than hugh
3: actually i do okay and don't get me wrong he was great but i don't think i've seen acting from sir patrick stewart like this in a very long time
1: well that's the thing right they they put him in this different different sort of setting and situation and everything and it really allowed them <clears throat> to uh stretch out Uh, in this Uh, that's the main thing that you know that i came away with this on was the acting and patrick stewart gets to have a a lot of varied kind of reactions and line readings and stuff like that whereas in the other x-men movies you know everything's real operatic and he's basically got he's basically one note in the other x-men movies Mm -hmm. he's got one speed uh, where he's like, you know, you know, we really should be nice to each other and I'm nice to everybody, and I'm trying to tell other people to be nice to each other. Um, In this one, it's completely different.
2: Yeah, and I, I guess I, I love Stewart's performance. I, I really do, but I felt like Hugh Jackman was just on a whole nother level, not only from his own performances, which were already great as Wolverine, yeah. but just he, man, the stuff he was doing with, the exhaustion yeah. in his life mm-hmm. was—I I just bought it. I thought it was—I thought it was incredible, and it kept—it kept me locked into the movie, among a few other things. Uh, I guess I'll mention uh, one of my positives that kept me locked in. Uh, I thought the the action in this movie—not specifically the over-the-top violence, although that's definitely here—but the action itself. Was really imaginative and creative. I really liked these action scenes. Did you guys feel the same way?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I so really, good. I really liked it. I really liked the the action, and um, even though it's not exactly what everything I'd want in a, you know, an action movie, it actually pulls this off pretty well.
3: I think hands down, this is the most violent, gory movie. And I think we should say that up front that Marvel has ever put their name on, even though it is a Fox movie technically. But of ev- out of every Marvel movie, whether it be Sony, Marvel, or F- Fox, I think this hands down. More
2: than Deadpool? I just
3: don't remember. I, th- I think so, easily, yeah. Okay. I think so. Yeah, I think so too. I, I think
1: mean, in Deadpool, mo- most of your deaths in that are, I mean, there are a couple of graphic ones, but most for the most part they're just you know they're projections and in inception or whatever you know it's just kind of like in the background they're getting killed or you know or or it's in that one big scene on the bridge um this one it's like everything has got to be like up close and in your face yeah
2: literally in, in your, your face, face. Yeah, yeah.
1: literally
3: yes. oh yeah um this is daphne king's second performance ever besides this one little uh, soap opera she did where she was only on for seven episodes uh, the intensity that she brings to this character for somebody as young as she is especially for a child actor is extraordinary I thought it's she was me- great. mesmerizing yeah. how the intensity and like the hatred that she like sends through her eyes those daggers that she has for a kid actor i'm going to be keeping my eye on this one because i think she's going to grow up to be like an a-list actress one day yeah
2: she could be great um i i really enjoyed her performance and it's an interesting performance too because she's silent for a lot of it so yep, exactly um, so yeah, I, I thought that was great too. Uh in the chat a question, uh it's worse uh I'm assuming means more violent than apocalypse. I thought you guys said apocalypse was really gory. The difference is apocalypse was gory for a PG-13
3: movie. This is gory this for is an gory R. This is gory
2: for an R movie. So it's just it's operating on a different foundation, I think.
3: Exactly. And I I think I actually disagreed with you cuz you were saying that uh apocalypse was very violent and gory and I didn't think it was besides for that one scene in the movie. Other than that, I thought it was yeah, I mean
2: again for a PG-13 movie.
3: Yeah, okay. Chris, did you have any other pros for the film?
1: Well, I you know, I was just going to add on to the this uh this Daphne Keane performance. Um, you know, the there's something very satisfying about hearing her screech and jumping at people yeah. and like, you know, and and, you know, doing her stuff in this it was uh usually like those type of things they those could those could that could really fall off the cliff fast those type of screeches that she does in this it could have been like mm-hmm. a horrible thing that they added but in this one it was like every time she did it there was something some dopamine came into my <laughs> into my brain and i was like yes
2: there's something hollywood has in, in this current kind of culture about young girls being violent, like there, you know, you think of, or just the aggression of a young female, like I'm even like Stranger Things or uh, Hannah, yeah, or Hannah or something like. That. There's yeah. just something really interesting about, you know, kind of that young female aggression that I think uh, that that is enamoring Hollywood right now. So it's yeah. kind of interesting.
3: I have one more pro before I'm, I'll get into cons. Um, I love the fact that above being a superhero film, this is a character drama first and foremost, and it's interesting because you know we've had 17 years of character development for these characters. So we didn't need to spend any time in this movie figuring out what their motives and stuff are. It just drops you right in, and it just hits the ground running, and I love it.
2: Yeah, and in addition to that, that was my other pro as well, was the thematic work in this movie and some of the stuff about family and home. And yes, you do know enough about these characters already to have some of that pre-work done for you, Mm -hmm. and yet at the same time, Uh, Wolverine is definitely going through a different journey in this movie than he's ever gone through before Mm -hmm. and the way that is handled is really powerful and um, man I just I I really bought the themes for sure in this movie
1: yeah it's another thing too that I like they they sort of uh, they're sort of genre crossing here and I you know a lot of times when I hear about you know something like uh, Captain America, winter soldier is, is playing in the spot and you know, the paranoia thriller game and right. everything. And then you go watch it and it's like, eh, kind of, I guess, or whatever. This is like a wet, this is a Western. Um, this movie is straight up a Western. And, um, and like there's even, you know, the little clue in there where they're watching Shane, mm-hmm. you know, in the, uh, in the, uh, hotel room and everything. But this is, this is, you know, sort of that type of thing. You know, you have to get somebody across the border and all that other type of stuff. And yeah. then, like it's got that, you know, that desert southwest, uh, setting all the way through it. And uh, so it's a lone, it's a lone, uh, you know, uh, gunman, or in this case, a lone clawsman coming through <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, trying to save the day and everything. Uh, I think it really works well in the Western genre.
3: Yeah, it's a less fantastic version of the dark tower or the road. It is. <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, Shane is a, is a deliberate choice on their part too, because the character in Shane is dealing with the exact same thing that, mm-hmm. that Logan's dealing with here, you know, feeling like, uh, you know, uh, and, uh, an element of a bygone era, you know, and still trying to be the hero when maybe that's not who you're supposed to be and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I I found all that stuff really good. Do we want to get into some negatives? Mm -hmm. I have two. Sure. Uh, chris why don't we start with you what What were some of the things maybe you didn't like about it
1: okay so uh it's it's fun that they got the r rating because it basically liberates you uh you don't have to worry about anything you can make it as violent and whatever i do think though that in the dialogue they were just like well we can say f this and f that so we're going to just put it everywhere and uh, it's weird. I don't really – I don't get offended by uh, strong language unless they just use it as, as a prop or as a, well, we got an R rating. We can do whatever we want. And that's what it felt like in the dialogue for me.
2: Absolutely. That was my one negative, and it was big enough for me to bring it down quite a bit. It's overindulgent in a lot of ways. I didn't find it at all. Here, let me give you a few examples. Um so you mentioned the language, which I, I totally agree with. You could just feel the writers going, "How many f words can we throw into this movie?" And it felt a little like uh, um, I would, re- uh, like a teenager who's away from their parents, and they're like, "Hey, I can use this language, so I'm going to use it all the time." You know, just like, or maybe yeah. like a like a rum springa. You know, where you like <laughs> he, 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 Amish you go, Wolverine yeah, on rum spring. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> something like that. But the, the where it was most obvious to me was in the limo uh where yes. where it's like what? Like where um She's like, hey, driver, and she pulls down her shirt, and it's like, you know, the only reason that exists in there is because, hey, we can show boobs in an R-rated movie. Let's show them.
3: That's not what I thought you were referring to when you talked about, like, I thought you were talking about, like, Sir Patrick Stewart and stuff like that, and I'm like, well, that's just him falling into senility, and that's what I got out of that. Oh, as far as the language he was using? Yeah.
2: No, there are just moments where even Wolverine, like, he's out uh, at the car at one point, and he must have dropped seven f-bombs just in a row yeah
3: it
1: was crazy just to say them you know th-
3: that part in like particular that, i understand where you're talking
1: so that that's the ultimate point it's not that it's it's not that i am offended by hearing these words right I exactly mean, whatever it just sounds like they were inserted like you know we got to put it in there and 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 it just it just goes right in your face I always uh go back to uh the movie spy Where, you know, if they ever let somebody like Melissa McCarthy just riff or whatever she'll throw in like 40 f-bombs into <laughs> one thing and if it's and, and in it, and a lot of times it's just not going anywhere and you can tell it's not going anywhere right and she's just like f this f that f this f that and you're like oh yeah okay all right i get i get it yeah. um that's what i felt like in in this one it's just uh, it just felt like they were just kind of like just like aaron was saying it's like the, the the parents are away let's see what we can get away with
3: yeah.
2: yeah yeah it just felt a little overindulgent to me what were some of your other negatives
3: andrew uh one of them is this movie is i'm Going to start with a pro is going to lead into a con so cool. i thought that this movie hit the ground running starts off in fourth gear and it's phenomenal but in between the second and the third act i think that the pacing kind of waned just a little bit okay. and then it had to pick up a little bit uh a little t- it waned down a little too much for me but uh it was trying to do some more character development that i found at that point was unnecessary for some particular characters okay um my other yeah, big con that's fair. My other big con in this movie is I think that the villains in this film were underused and underdeveloped. If this is going to be, like they've said, Sir Patrick Stewart and Mm -hmm. Hugh Jackman's last time, I want them to have a villain in this movie that is this titanous force that you passionately have to hate. And the bad guys in this movie were just generic bad guys in a sense. I wanted it to be like true animosity of opposing forces. But it just turned out to be just people I recognized as, quote unquote, the villains. So, yeah
2: I don't know that I agree uh, with that really yeah I feel like this movie was trying to do something very specific by t- because that's what we're used to in comic book movies we're used to the big villain that everything leads to you know the big fight at the end and and kind of taking them out but I think this movie was trying to be more of uh, more contemplative than that and so I don't I don't feel like I feel like it, if you didn't like it, totally get it, but I feel like that was the point. Like, I don't feel like it was a mistake on their part. I feel like it was a decision, if that makes sense.
1: I'm, I'm going to take a line from Jason Robards at the end of Crimson Tide and say, you're both right and you're both wrong. <laughs> um, the, uh, the, the, the thing is, for me, I, I totally agree, Andrew, they didn't develop those characters like, you know, why does he have that hand? Why does everybody have these mechanical arms? Blah, blah, blah. And they don't really see them get to do anything awesome at all. They're usually just getting their butts kicked the entire movie, yeah. Um, uh, as far as it needing to be a big bad type of person and everything, I, I, I don't agree with that. uh If it was, then then you're just making it another X Men movie, and you're going to need help, and you're need to gonna you're going to have to call Halle Berry and Fonka Jansen and all these people back in <laughs> and, and make it a big, huge uh, apocalypse type movie, which I didn't like at all. So, um, I mean. Uh, I, I see what you're saying. Um, they should have developed them more, for sure. And not to give too many spoilers away, but
3: there's a character in this who's a doctor who we're supposed to, like, think a whole bunch of stuff about, and I thought he was incredibly underdeveloped, like, as a character yeah. I was supposed to care about. Yeah. That's mainly what I was talking about. Not, sure. Not Robot no, Handman. Hand what, what's about, the actor? Yeah, yeah.
1: Who's that actor? Because I really like him, actually. He's Steven been in Merchant. several
3: things. What was no. it? Are you talking about robot hand, or are you?
2: Oh, talking you're about talking about Boyd You're talking Halliburk.
1: about because I thought okay, because I thought you were talking about the the sun sitter. Or oh, no no, 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 I Stephen like him Cal-
2: too. Not Caliban. I like uh, I like him too. Yeah. The guy that played Cal- that is Stephen Merchant. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. no, Boyd. What Boyd was, Hallbrook. Boyd Hallbrook. Yeah, I, I like him. I no, think okay. he's got a good presence. So interested to see what he does. But yeah, I think you're right. I think the villains were you know kind of underdeveloped in some ways.
3: Uh, one last thing I'll say about Logan. Um, this is an emotional movie. There were, I don't know about you guys, but there were parts in the movie I was like, wow, I'm feeling things I've never <laughs> felt before right now. In what a superhero superhero feels? Yeah, why am I getting the feels mm-hmm. in a superhero movie? Especially towards the end, it gets heartbreaking in some points, and I didn't think that I would ever feel that in a movie, especially for a character who is so used to being known as the emotionless killer. He's an antihero. He's not yeah. really... That's what you know. Logan and Wolverine has been known for. So, whenever a character like this makes you feel those certain things, it's really powerful.
2: Chris, did you have one
1: uh, one more thing before we move on? Uh, no, I, I think we've, we've covered it.
2: It's funny. I was going. My one more thing was going to be how this movie was both heartbreaking and you even use that phrase it's heartbreaking and it's also uplifting somehow like yeah. it manages to do both but since you kind of touched on that I'll go with um just the utmost respect and honor I have for how Hugh Jackman has treated the character of Wolverine through 9 movies I know one was a years. I know one was a cameo but I mean he got this character from the beginning and has stewarded it So well, I just I there are very few examples of somebody who has owned a character like this as well as he has. You you can think of maybe Stallone as Rocky, yeah, yeah. Or I was thinking more of like um, you know Connery as Bond, or you know something like Mm. that, or uh, you know I would even say the other one that's that's contemporary. I think is um, Chris Evans as Captain America. I think he really stewards that character well, like kind of owns it. Um, But I just you know the way that that Hugh Jackman has. Has really committed to Wolverine uh, is really impressive to me. So, yeah, that would be my one more
3: thing. I think it's a high
2: recommend for everybody here. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Chris, high recommend. Yeah, definitely. Before we get on to our SIFT sort for this episode, we're going to take a look at all the X-Men movies. Uh, I just want to say thank you for your support of this podcast network that SIFT Pop is on. This is on a podcast network called the Studio DNA Podcast Network, Uh, and the reason it exists is because people just like you every month uh, give $3 to make it happen, and those people get some special perks. If you want to find out more about it, one of those, by the way, is your own dedicated podcast feed where you get uh, episodes that you don't hear in the regular podcast feed. So those include our exclusive pre-show, some bonus material sometimes, that kind of stuff. Uh, and that's for every podcast on the network, by the way. So that'll come directly to you uh, if you support it $3 a month or more. And there's some other fun perks there as well. Thank you for that. We really couldn't do it without you. The link, if you want to get signed up, is patreon.com slash studiodna. That's patreo dot com slash studiodna. And as always, thank you very much all right let's move on to our sift sort for this podcast this is where we have to agree on an official sift pop ranking of a certain category of every movie in that category and the category this week are the x-men movies so we will be officially ranking from worst to first the x-men movies and again we have to agree between the three of us so there will be negotiation going on uh, and eventually we will come out with the official list. Now if you are here for the pre-show or you have access to the pre-show, you know that both Chris and Andrew are certain their list is infallible. So this could get interesting.
3: <laughs> um, oh, also we need to mention that uh, Deadpool will not be on this list.
2: Thank you. yes. Deadpool will not be included in this. Uh, it is certainly in that universe, but mm-hmm. it doesn't really it's not really an X-Men movie if that yeah. makes sense. Exactly. Um, all right. We'll start at the bottom and work our way to the top. Let's start with number nine, and Chris is our guest. We'll let you start the discussion.
1: All right. Uh, The absolute worst X-Men movie there has ever been made is The Wolverine, which is odd because James Mangold did this and Logan. Mm -hmm. They could not be farther apart, but... For me there is more plot holes in this Wolverine and less like believable action and it's just terrible all around so the Wolverine is my worst. What
3: about you Andrew? Uh my worst does have the word Wolverine in it but it is not the Wolverine it is X-Men Origins Wolverine.
2: Wow. Mhm. Oh man. Okay, now I have both of those low on my list but neither of those are my my last. Uh, I have uh the actual, the one that has the word last in it, The Last Stand. That is that is the one that I have yeah. at number nine. You
3: know what? That's my second to least favorite. So. Yeah.
2: Um, well, let's talk a little bit. I actually have The Wolverine higher than Wolverine Origins. So if I were going to go with one of those, it would probably be Origins. What do you guys think about those three movies, about where we can kind of land as far as the worst goes?
3: I actually have The Wolverine at number six. So. so you have that a little bit higher? A little bit higher, yeah.
2: Okay. Um.
1: um well, all right. So in, in, win uh, me, uh, do you, win you want me, me to go through my list here? Or do you... I mean, because I have... Um, X-Men Origins Wolverine just above The Wolverine and I have Last Stand just above that.
2: So in some order, we're probably going with those and I imagine we'd probably throw Apocalypse into the mixes. as one of the bad ones too. That's number
1: seven for me. Um, so I guess
3: the three that we're talking about are The Wolverine, Origins Wolverine, and Last Stand. Yeah. Is that right? That is those correct. Those three? Okay. Yeah. Uh,
2: I'd, I'd be willing to go with either The Last Stand or, or Wolverine Origins as the worst.
1: All right. Well, then I would pick... Uh, x-men origins on that case then as about, number nine yeah it's number nine what Officially? do you think yeah, as yeah number nine again we're we're going with my life. <laughs> that's fine okay we, so. i promise you andrew this what? time D- did i do something wrong
2: no no no, yeah. no 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 he's just he's just shaking his head because the last time we did this his list became the list and we've already gone with the number nine that he chose so he's
1: uh I he's, see.
2: And so I, I'm committing now to making sure that we do not do your list as the official list, Andrew. Aw, oh, dang. <laughs> all right, so officially, <laughs> as the worst X-Men movie of all time, we're going with Origins, Wolverine. All right. In uh, at number eight. So now it's between Basically Last comes Stand down to and those The two, Wolverine. Right? Yeah, it would probably either be The Last Stand or The the Wolverine. And both Andrew and I have The Wolverine a little bit higher. Yeah. Um, Man, amongst all this, I can't believe we're going to end up ranking a. Po- Where do you have apocalypse, Chris? Because I had that yeah, at number, number eight. six. Number six. So we all have the same last four, which yes. makes sense. We just have to figure out what order to put them in. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm open to thoughts. What do we want at number eight?
1: Um, I, well, look. I mean, X Men: The Last Stand just basically has to be. It has to be in these po- bottom two, right? I mean, I uh, think even so. though I ranked it a little bit higher. Uh, it's one of the most reviled comic book adaptations ever. Uh, part of that's due to Brett Ratner. Um, but uh, I, I'm I'm willing to put Last Stand there if anybody else is. That's where I have it at number eight. So. Oh,
2: man. This is going Andrew's way again. Uh, yeah, I think Last Stand should go there. Some comments from the chat, by the way. We do check into the chat for... Uh, for some thoughts on this, too. Uh, Origins and The Last Stand are way worse than The Wolverine, says Hedrick. Uh, DJM3 says, as long as First Class is number one, he'll be okay. We'll see, DJM3. We'll see. Uh, And The Wolverine is at least two-thirds of a good movie. Somebody else says, um, Origins is absolute garbage. The Last Stand is somewhat redeemable. So I think the chat's kind of with us, too. We get Origins at the end, Last Stand next, and then the question becomes... Do we put Apocalypse or The Wolverine next? And I think since you had it last, Chris, I think it's only fair to put The Wolverine next. At number
3: seven. How,
2: well, do, you, how do you feel about that, Chris?
1: It works for me. Okay. I, I, I get stuck on a lot of things on The Wolverine, and I and I agree that at the beginning of it, it, it feels like a, a different kind of movie, a better kind of movie, but ultimately, that movie is just garbage. It's trash. All right. This interesting. I didn't hate it that much. I thought it was...
3: a halfway decent movie i didn't love it or anything but i was, I was like ah, the main thing okay. that
1: the main thing that bothers me about that movie more than anything is him uh when he's at the um whatever he's at where he's sleeping over for the night or whatever and the little enchantress person comes in and, like, gives him the green smoke and, and everything. And, like, their whole thing is trying to kill kill uh, him and everything. And it's like, why did you just knock him out? Why didn't you just take him right there? Like, it doesn't <laughs> make any sense. It's like one of those Dr. Like, Evil plots. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in that movie. And I remember – I mean, it was one of the – this could also be factoring into it, too. It was one of the worst uh, uh, movies we've ever seen too, where it's just uh, – uh, just you're constantly stopping it and writing about something. So, uh, you know, there's a little bias there. Uh,
2: in the chat, somebody says, how is Apocalypse not in the bottom four? Actually, it, it is. is. It's it's number it six. Will, it will be number six. So, it will be in the bottom four. Um yeah. I don't, I don't assume any of us have a problem with that. I hate that movie no. so much.
3: Okay. I really do.
2: Now, here's the thing about Apocalypse, and the reason I'm actually... Because I had it at number eight, but I'm actually not too disappointed that it's at number six. I think I have recency bias on this one, where I came out of it so disappointed that I'm not giving it credit for some of the things it did right. Like, some of the action in that is pretty cool. I think there's um, only one
3: good scene in that movie. Yeah. It was the Quicksilver scene, again. Right. Which, yeah. But... Their their adaptation of Apocalypse, I absolutely loathed. He just looked like Ivan Ooze from the Power Rangers movie, and the, nothing good came from that movie. Well, plus his yeah.
2: performances. Of, you're talking about Oscar Isaacs? Yeah, Oscar. His performance Isaacs. is totally buried under uh, prosthetics. Like, mm-hmm. he's such a great performer, and, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot about Apocalypse I don't like. As you guys were talking about The Wolverine, I realized how much I didn't like that movie, too. And for me, The Wolverine, one thing we didn't talk about was. It's almost not an X Men. There's very little X Men in it. You know what I mean? Like it's just him. It's just basically him. And so that that was something that you know I didn't like. Yeah, and a couple of people with some
1: weird powers here and there, and that was it.
2: Yeah. All right. So we've got our bottom four: Uh, Origin, Wolverine at number nine, Last Stand at number eight, Wolverine at number seven, Apocalypse at number six, and now the fun begins. Uh, What did Mm -hmm. you have at number five, Andrew?
3: Number five, I have X Men First Class.
1: Ooh, 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 man, oh, we're gonna no. be
2: fighting! No, 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 Andrew, I can we're guarantee you that it will not end up at number five. Um, what did
3: you have, Chris? I have
1: Days of Future Past. There,
2: that is what I had as well.
3: That's what I have at number four. So,
2: I think then we go with Days of Future Past. I think that's pretty pretty okay. clear. Yeah, I, I, I have. It's really interesting with these movies, and I'd, I'd be curious to hear where your line is, guys, too. I feel like there's four really bad ones and then five pretty decent ones. Yeah. Uh, and maybe even one or two really good ones. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, that's just kind of the way it shakes
3: down. But Days of Future Past, I think, is a pretty decent film. No, I, I really enjoyed Days of Future
1: Past. Like, I liked it, o- I liked it okay.
3: I think I liked it because <laughs> it reset everything bad that they'd done. And like, okay, we know we messed up. Fresh start. And we got to see, you know, the McAvoy Fassbender on screen with McKellen and Yeah, that stuff was
2: cool. I thought that stuff was cool.
3: Um, all right, so we've got it at number five.
2: Uh, I I really have to tell you, Andrew, I know you had uh, First Class at number five. I'm not going to spoil the rest of my list just to say I had it way higher than that. That's fine. <laughs> so, so I'm not sure where You're, Chris had it. You but are we're from...
3: more than able to be wrong. It's totally okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: I actually had it at number four. I had the original X-Men. I have it at number
1: three. What did you have? First? I also have the original X-Men at four.
3: At four? Well, I'm fine with it being at four.
1: All right. Well, this is, this is going pretty well. All right.
2: Yeah. So, so here's the thing about the original X-Men. Um, I think it gets forgotten sometimes and I think it's underrated because of that, but you have to remember for all considerations, it's kind of the first Marvel superhero movie. I mean, if you don't count Howard the Duck. Or you know, um, some, <laughs> right, some of the crazy Captain America movies that came out before. That's that. That's why
3: but. I had it so high on my list because it is <laughs> it's not a, now Howard the Duck, obviously, but X Men the first original X Men. I'm like that just set the tone for it. Did. Everything it's, for everything it started it all. Even people yeah, say it, people say Blade did, but
2: well, no. that's true. Blade was Blade was the year before, but. But yeah.
1: yeah, but yeah, but Blade was still. I mean, that's that it's that new line cinema aesthetic that it doesn't really take it seriously at right. all. And even though X Men isn't really like taking it seriously, I don't want to get my words twisted here. But um, that it, they actually went and got a director, you know, Brian Finger, Usual Suspects here, do this comic book movie. Um, and that's where you got Sam Raimi and you got Christopher Nolan afterwards and all that for, for big time comic book movies. And um, so, yeah, uh, I think it I think it, you're right about it setting the tone for what we saw later. Now is
3: when I'm going to start having problems if first class isn't number three.
2: <laughs> well, here are the three we have left. We have X 2 United Logan in X-Men first class. Um, let's just go ahead and put our cards on the table uh, with what we had at number three. Uh, this is where I ranked Logan. So, what did you guys have?
3: I can uh, I, I can have not X... put Logan lower than first class. I, I will fight okay. for this one.
2: Okay. What did you have, Chris? I
1: I have X two at number three.
2: All right. So we've all got different ones that we're looking at here. Um, I'm fine with Logan. So you're not fine with Logan being below first class? Yeah. Where did you? Let's let's just get our cards on the table. I had X two at number two, and I had first class at number one.
1: Uh, What did you have, Chris? You have first class at number one? I did. Go ahead. uh, First class is number one. Logan is two.
2: Okay.
3: I have X2 as number one, and then Logan is number two, and then obviously at number five, I think I had first class. Yeah, you had first class down. We are all completely opposite right now. (laughs) Well, except
2: for we both have first class as number one. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So tell us, go convince us. Tell us why First Class isn't a great movie, because you know we can talk about why we like why we like it so much. Because I think First Class is a phenomenal film.
3: Well, since you guys both have it as your number one, I need you to convince me why it's so good. Okay. I didn't think that everybody was praising Kevin Bacon as like this phenomenal villain. I didn't think that he was anything super special, and the. X-Men that I'd grown up with, the Sir Patrick Stewart and McKellen specifically, mm-hmm. I don't think that initially Fastbender or McAvoy really convinced me they are going to grow up to be the Patrick Stewart or the Professor X and the Magneto that I know. They were a really cool adaptation of those characters, but I didn't see them growing up to be the ones that I had been programmed and processed but- in my head to say that's who they're going to be.
1: OK, so but that's the point, though, right? They haven't hit their uh, turning point in their characters yet by until the end of it. Um, they, uh, they they start off with this sort of uneasy friendship. But then by the end of it, so much has happened. Then they start taking different uh, directions.
2: Yeah, I, I, I think that's probably the, the center to our disagreement, because I think McAvoy and Fassbender are almost revelations in those roles, because we had seen Stewart and um and mckellen do those for so long for them to be able to take those characters and make them their own is actually a positive for me like it felt it felt so fresh i remember watching first class and just being like oh this is a great relaunch of this franchise because i love these characters i love who they've chosen to play them i love the the feel of kind of going back in time in that way um so i you know i i really enjoyed first class for and i thought i thought it was plotted well too i didn't see you know a lot of issues with its plot
3: I'll barter with you okay you can have first class at number 1 okay as long as x2 is above logan
2: oh okay that means logan would be at number 3 which is where i had it okay
1: um i don't have a problem with that
2: oh i think we may have just landed then
1: <sighs> yeah
2: all right so let, let me let me make sure this is right i'll read them all out um i think we we landed with Uh, The official SIFT sort X-Men movie list, barring any objections. Number nine, Origin Wolverine. Number eight, The Last Stand. Number seven, The Wolverine. Number six, Apocalypse. Number five, Days of Future Past. Number four was X-Men. Number three, Logan. Number two, X2 United. And number one, X-Men First Class. Everybody in agreement?
3: I'm surprised you guys didn't have X2 higher
1: on your list. I'm going to tell you why I don't have it higher. Um, I believe that X2 begins with this phenomenal Nightcrawler scene. Oh,
2: so good. And,
1: mm-hmm. and it's what we sort of think of when that movie, when you think of that movie, that's what you think of. You think of him trying to kill the president or whatever. Um, and then the rest of it is not nearly to that level. Um it's still good. It's still a, it's still better than the original X-Men and everything like that. But that Nightcrawler scene is so phenomenal. I think it clouds the the vision of the entire movie. And it's also also, also that I
2: think of. also that Nightcrawler character is so phenomenal. I that is my favorite X-Men character in any of the movies. Mm. I love that Nightcrawler.
3: That's fascinating cuz I totally forgot that Nightcrawler was even in the movie cuz that's not what I think of at all. I oh, think really? of, I think of Brian Cro- Cox's Striker and his you know that thing that he and Wolverine have against each other, just that whole passionate hate that they have for each other. Logan's striker, trying yeah. to figure out what is going on, and Stryker's the one with all the answers. And mm-hmm. then, just, that's when you really see the the animosity not only between them, but also between Magneto and Professor X, because in the first one, uh, I kind of just like, in the first X-Men, it's like, yeah, we used to be friends, but now we're enemies. In this one, I felt... Man, there was a history between these guys mm-hmm. and I have to know sure. more. So that's why I have X Men two as my number one.
2: Yeah, and and again I had it at number two and I think Chris had it at number three. So I mean we all had mm-hmm. it pretty high. It's I think it's a really good movie. Um
3: I'm just going to have to go back and watch First Class again and find out why it's the greatest X-Men movie of all time.
2: (laughs) It is officially. From Sif Pop, it is the official ranking. Andrew, how do you feel? We didn't go with your list. Hey, we got my list once. That's fine with me. That's right. We went with the bottom of your list. (laughs) I think we went with the bottom of your list and the top of my list.
3: The the bottom two were the ones I hated the most, so I'm okay with that because I know those (laughs) movies are garbage, so...
2: Yeah, I like this. I think this is this is about right. And again, sometimes it's hard to tell, especially with recency, like with Logan, how that will age over time, and you know if that'll go up or down. Or that's
3: why I was afraid of putting it like number one because yeah. since we just watched it last night, I don't know if I'm just hyped up from it or what. So I was like, well, I'll make it you know number two on my list.
2: Well, congratulations, guys, uh, on the official SIF sort X Men list. We need somewhere to post these. We should figure out somewhere to post because we've done Star Wars, mm-hmm. uh, we've done M Night. And now we've done X-Men, so we, we need to figure out like a... I need to put a page on the website or something. Yeah, there you let's go. See if we can do it that way. All right, let's move on finally to our buried treasure. The one thing in the area of pop culture you want to make sure everybody knows about can be anything. Books, television, magazines, websites, apps, whatever in pop culture is ringing your bell.
3: Aaron, you haven't started today.
2: All right, I'll start. Um, this is... A, this is a strange one, I'm going to admit, but uh, with seeing Meryl Streep at the Oscars again, uh, I wanted to go back and uh, kind of revisit some of my favorite Meryl Streep movies, and so I rewatched The River Wild. yeah oh, that wow. movie
3: is good. Speaking of
2: Kevin Bacon, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Kevin Bacon, I uh, like I watched it and I, and I remembered it because it's one of my favorites. But I remembered it all the way through, and I love it when I go back to a movie I haven't watched because I probably haven't watched The River Wild in uh, at least eight years, maybe. Was that John C. Riley in that movie? No. Yep. Was he?
1: It was, wasn't
3: it? Oh, I think it was.
1: I thought he yeah, was the I other think guy. It was.
3: Okay. Wow.
2: Yeah, that's right. Um, and then the kid from thought, Jurassic Park. Uh, yes, it is the kid from Jurassic Park. Uh, I thought you meant. Um, Oh, who was it that, that just passed away?
3: Phil Paxton?
2: <sighs> no, 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 no. Recently, Hunger Games was in The Hunger oh, Games. Oh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. So I thought you meant Philip Seymour Hoffman. I was like, I don't think Philip Seymour... I think I was on him from Twister, because he was in Twister. He anyways, was in Twister. Um, anyways, I just love it when I go back to a movie I haven't watched in a long time, and I'm like, yeah, I was right to like this movie. This is actually really good. So um. I enjoyed it. I had a good time with it. So if you haven't seen The River Wild, uh, I would... Take a visit to it because uh, it's a really interesting street performance, and uh, it's also a, river performance. It's also also a really beautiful movie, and it's also a great movie about marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just mm-hmm. a big big old metaphor for marriage, and and I loved it. So, have
3: you ever been whitewater rafting?
2: I have. It's
3: a lot of fun, isn't it? It is.
2: It is scary. Oh yeah, it is really frightening. Chris, but, but Chris, have fun. you ever done it?
1: I have not. It, I um I think I've been invited a couple of times and I've always been like oh, just forget about that inv- invitation. <laughs> <laughs> Is it because yeah. of the water
2: or because you don't want to get hijacked by a couple of psychos? And you it's know? it's
1: mainly it's mainly from the river wild. Yeah, yeah. mainly. I okay. mean, yeah. river wild was what Jaws was to oceans, <laughs> and oh. what Psycho <laughs> was to showers. It's really. It always, you know, it's always a, water. Just, yeah, an ingrained uh, fear of water, basically.
3: <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, Chris, what do you have for your buried treasure?
1: Okay, so uh, I have a theme here because uh, of Bill Paxton's uh, untimely passing. Uh, He was in a movie uh, in 1992 called Trespass, which I don't know if you've ever seen before. No, I have not. not. Um, uh, And uh, it's got a lot of people in it. First off, Walter Hill directed it. Uh, It was written by Bob Gale and Robert Zemeckis before they did Back to the Future. Um they uh they got Bill Paxton, William Sadler ice tea and Ice cube all in the same movie um and it's a real fun B movie like uh Paxton and Sadler play these firefighters and they run into this one guy who says I've buried some treasure in East St. Louis in these like project buildings or whatever and so the Paxton and Sadler decide well, okay well let's see if we can. He, they get a map and they're like, "All right, let's go to East St. Louis." And they're like, "I don't, I think they're in Arkansas or something." And uh, and then uh, as they go look for it, they just happen, or because they're like in this like rundown part of the city, they happen to witness a murder from the gang that Ice T and Ice Cube run. And uh, and there's this whole thing where they're both trying to survive and they're trying to get the treasure at the same time. And uh, there's a lot of, like, interesting things with the, like, dilapidated buildings and stuff like that and whether or not they want the cops to show up and all that type of stuff. Real fun movie. Huh. Robert Zemeckis wrote it. Yeah, both Zemeckis and Gale, Back to the Future writers, uh, were on this one. Uh, And I guess they had it just before they did Back to the Future. It finally got made. I don't
3: mean to put you on the spot or anything, but do you know if it's on, like, Netflix or Hulu or anything?
1: Uh, I don't know if it is um, uh, I I think I recently was able to watch this off of like uh, Comcast On Demand but I can't remember if I had to rent it or whatever but um, but yeah I mean I would look for it on Netflix but then after that you know if you can find it on cable or just you know just find some one of your favorite movie sites that are, like Amazon probably has it or something you can rent it for like three bucks four bucks or whatever uh, it's worth it. It's just a fun movie.
2: Or just head down to your local blockbuster and, oh, wait a second. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah, wait a minute. If you're still in the 1990s, go down to your blockbuster. <laughs> All
3: right. What do you got, Andrew? So normally we wait two or three episodes on a television show before yeah. we talk about it. I'm jumping ahead here. Well, you can do a, a buried treasure on the first episode. That's All fine. Right. Well, sec- there's been two episodes out. So my buried treasure for this week is HBO's newest miniseries called Big Little Lies. Okay. Uh, Stars, Mm. all-star studded cast here. You have Reese Witherspoon, Shailene Woodley, Nicole Kidman, Alexander Skarsgård, Adam Scott, and Laura Dern. It's uh, directed by Jean-Marc Vallée, who did Dallas Buyers Club. The plot of this is it's a group of these one-percenter parents, particularly the mothers in Monterey, California, who are insanely protective and proud of their children to the point where, in the first episode, one of them is dead one of these parents or children is dead and the entire they keep flash forwarding to the future of like um
2: so it's like a mystery a like mis- a central mystery. Kind
3: of a mystery, yeah, where yeah. they keep fast forwarding to the townsfolk and they're all being interviewed by the local police department and they're like, oh yeah, it was crazy. You could definitely tell that there was animosity between these parents and stuff. And then it goes back to the past where you're seeing everything played out. And I love it because in whenever they flash forward you see these town folks you know gossiping to the cops like oh man they were the happiest couple you'd ever seen but then it flashes back to the past and you find out well they were actually in an abusive relationship so it goes to prove in this series that second party commentary mm-hmm. on these people's lives is totally false just because you're you're watching somebody's life that doesn't mean you know what's going on in their yeah, life you never,
2: you never know what's going on behind the scenes
3: exactly yeah. and the performances in this, especially from Reese Witherspoon and Shailene Woodley, are brilliant. If you have HBO Go or HBO Now and you are kind of on the fence about picking this one up, cannot recommend it enough.
2: Cool. I'm glad to hear you say that because I, I was on the fence. I'd heard mixed mixed reviews. so I personally
1: am loving it.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure if it's the kind of show that would appeal to me, but you're definitely selling it. So, yeah, what, what's, it out. Uh,
1: what's what would you rank and how would you compare it against uh, the night of? Did you ever see that?
3: Literally, I was just going to say the night of if you like the night of I would I would. It's a lot brighter, not only tonally, because there is some comedy in this, but also the night of pretty much only took place during the night, obviously. So it's a lot brighter and it's more West Coast than East Coast. So it's more outdoorsy and, you know, sunny because it does take place in Monterey. But uh, there's still some darkness to this. I, uh, yeah, I I can't. I mean, if it's as
2: good as the night of, I'm in because, I mean, I mean, the night of. It totally changed. Did something towards the some things towards the end that kind of threw me off. But um, yeah, but man, that pilot, the night of pilot is one of the greatest TV pilots Ever. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. well that's it, guys. I think we did it. We did a podcast, guys. Nick Woo! Woo-hoo-hoo. Awesome. Yay. Thanks so much for joining us today on SIF Pop. It's part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other live and later shows on the network by following the feed at mixler.com slash studio DNA. That's M-I-X-L-R dot com slash studio DNA. Huge thanks again to today's guru, Chris Atkinson from Cinema Sins and the SinCast.
1: Thank you. so much,
2: uh, Chris. Is there anything you want to plug? Anywhere you want to send people?
1: Uh, I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, you just, you can go to Cinema Sins on YouTube if you want to see us uh, tear apart movies for fun and. Um you know, just just being jerks about it and everything. <laughs> and uh, if you want to go and uh, listen to us on the SinCast, which is polar opposite from Cinema Sins, um, uh, you can go to the SinCast and uh, and listen to us on almost everything that possible. I believe it's iTunes, SoundCloud, etc. So
2: yeah, Google Play, Spotify, all of the above. I've been backtracking
3: yeah. over those SinCast episodes, and I'm loving every single episode I listen
2: to. Yeah, you guys do. A go- I appreciate it. You guys do an amazing show. Um, very- very well done. Lots of fun movie conversations. I, in general, don't listen to podcasts that go for more than ninety minutes. Like I just have this limit. You guys usually mm-hmm. go two hours, even two and a half ish sometimes, and I'm I'm never bored. Like exactly. I just it just flies by. So uh, you guys are doing something right, and uh, I'd highly encourage encourage you to check out the SinCast, um, where you can see the cinema
1: sins. People love movies. Yeah, yeah. Well, and also also if you hate us but like Aaron Dicer, <laughs> he has been on twice. That's true. So you can at least listen to those podcasts where he's on them, and then you can, you know, enjoy that.
2: Oh, it's always a blast. Uh, very glad that I've I've gotten to know you guys uh and, and spent some time together. It's fun stuff. Much love and gratitude as well to our Patreon supporters for giving monthly to make the show and others on the network possible. Support starts at $3 a month, comes with some pretty fun perks. You can find out more at patreon.com/slash studio DNA. There are a lot of ways to connect with the podcast, whether it be SoundCloud, you can tweet at us, you can leave comments in iTunes or ratings, or you can email us at feedbacksippop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time here, your movie-loving friends will probably enjoy it too, so share the love, let them know about the podcast, just let them know it hurts a lot less than Adamantium claws. Spoiler chat Mm -hmm. for this week's movie and a lot more will be happening in your podcast feed next. So we'll see you there.